Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Green Zone, Saskatchewan. I'm Jamie Nye. Thanks uh, for spending some time with us on another warm, pleasant afternoon on the prairies. I was just checking yesterday. I was updating you on the historical uh, highs. Uh, Right now, Maple Creek, the hotspot in Saskatchewan, not in Canada today. Um, Pinhorn, Alberta right now is the hotspot in Canada at 16 degrees. But it's uh, back to 14 and a half almost 15 degrees in Maple Creek, Saskatoon right now, 5.9 degrees is the temperature, the record 6.1, so you're right there, right there. Our Regina, about two degrees shy of the record, so it's another beautiful weather day in Saskatchewan. Coming up here on the Green Zone today, we're going to talk to Bob Weeks, golf analyst to TSN, as money is coming into the PGA Tour. $3 billion from Strategic Sports Group. Now, this is like Fenway Sports Group owns the Red Sox, the owner of the Mets is in there, the owner of the Braves. Like, There's some money behind this group with the eventual eventual merger, whatever it's going to be with the PIF from Saudi Arabia with that money coming in. This is a day after Rory McIlroy, who probably already was updated and knew what was coming, saying that there should be, well, the live guy should be allowed back with no penalties. If they want to play one of the big events on tour, they should be able to play it without penalty. Now, you want to play in the waste management? Sure. You want to play in the big premier PGA events? Sure. Count with the world golf rankings? Sure. Wow, have the Rory's come a long way since lambasting uh, Greg Norman. Because Rory wants this. This is the one thing Rory McIlroy has o- always wanted, and he now has realized he's not going to get it with the current state of the PGA Tour. He wants to play the best golfers as much as possible. He wants to play John Rahm. He wants to play Brooks Kepka. He wants to play Bryson DeChambeau. Terrell Hatton just left to live golf. He's not getting that on the PGA Tour anymore. He's all of a sudden look walking in the locker room on the PGA Tour going, where'd everybody go? And why didn't I take the $500 million too? So we'll talk about the state of golf and how close are we to having this whole live PGA split behind us and we once again get the best golfers playing each other a lot more than they have been over the last two years. Bob Weeks will be in on that. We'll continue our midseason review of NHL teams. We talked about the Vancouver Canucks uh, yesterday. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Move ourselves east as we get closer and closer uh, to all-star weekend and ian mendez will be here a little later on from the athletic he has a great piece on looking at past history in the national hockey league on how they're possibly going to handle the four nhl players and alex formanton who's property of one of those nhl players who's now playing in europe that are now facing sexual assault charges yesterday it all came out through the lawyers of all these players that yes indeed all the players who asked for leave are the guys from the 2018 team facing a charge of sexual assault from 2018 and 
the celebration fundraising event that happened in London, Ontario that summer after they won gold in January. The players, Michael McLeod, the Cal Foot of the New Jersey Devils, Dylan Dubay of the Calgary Flames, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers, and I mentioned Alex Hormonton now playing in Europe. But as this was trickling out over the last couple of days, I was waiting for one shoe to drop to see it happen officially. And that was Dylan Dubé. And I talked about this at the end of the show yesterday, so you're forgiven if you missed it. I know some of you don't listen from 2 o'clock all the way till 6. I don't know why, but I understand you have busy lives. Now, the reason I was watching for Dylan Dubé is because something happened that week when the teams were announcing these players were on personal leave. Carter Hart's on personal leave, has requested indefinite personal leave. Um, We respect his privacy. That was that. The New Jersey Devils said the same thing. Even the European team with Alex Formanton said the same thing. He's going back to Canada was the only line that the other... The Calgary Flames said Dylan Dubé has requested leave due to mental health. He is in the care of professionals. We wish him well, and we'd like you to respect his privacy. But it was made official yesterday that Dylan Dubé requested his leave, not for mental health, although, and some of you have said, well, how would your mental health be if you were charged with sexual assault? Sure. He's probably not in a good mental health state right now, but he didn't leave the Calgary Flames to seek professional help with his mental health. That came after, possibly came after, he lawyered up. Now, the Calgary Flames came out last night with another statement about Dylan Dubé, and they ended off with, we were unaware of the situation when we previously updated you on Dylan Dubé. So one of two things is going on here. Both of them will tick me off. You either believe the Calgary Flames that, jeez, blindsided that the guy who's been cooperating in an investigation all of a sudden peaced out on you? Okay, sure, we'll believe you, Calgary Flames. You're just totally unaware of what's happening with the one player on your roster who has been in the middle of this over the last two years. Okay, sure. So that means Dylan Dubé lied to his employer and misrepresented the reason he was leaving? Now, I don't know what Gary Bettman's going to do with Dylan Dubé and the other ones. But if I'm the Calgary Flames, bye to Dylan Dubé. I know you're innocent until proven guilty. That's fine. But you made us look like idiots citing mental health when you were going to lawyer up, especially when Oliver Chillington just came back from mental health leave. He was a hero in Calgary last week because this is a young man who looked at himself and he actually sought health professionals to help him with his mental health because, man, have we come a long way from bury it deep, suck it up, buttercup, and go play hockey. 
We've come a long way. And in any profession, it's not just hockey players, it's everywhere to go, I am not well. And it's not like, I am not well, I have the sniffles, sore throat, I'm vomiting. It is just, I am not well. I can barely look at myself in the mirror. I can't get off the couch to come into work because whatever is happening has crippled me. These are the issues people are facing with mental health. So if Dylan Dubé used mental health as an excuse while he was lawyering up and misinformed the Calgary Flames, bye-bye to Dylan Dubé. The other reality that could be going on here is the Calgary Flames just keep lying to us. That they made up the mental health excuse because, I don't know what to say here. Let's just go mental health, which is a slap in the face to your teammate Oliver Shillington. And now to come back and say, well, we were completely unaware. Like that is that to me seems like a big leap. Because the agents are aware, the general managers are aware of what is going on in Dylan Dubé's life with, okay, he's talking to police, he's doing this, he was part of that team, he was there in London, he's cooperating fully. All the other stuff we've already been told, they have been aware that this is going on. So I wouldn't believe that Dylan Dubé all of a sudden got a knock on the door saying, uh, here is uh, the request to go to London police. And he just went to the PR department and said, I got to and the general manager without his agent already having knowledge of this. If I was his agent, I'd be ticked off at him. So that's where we are on this with, when it comes to Dylan Dubay. The other ones, that was the only thing they could have said has requested indefinite personal leave because What's about to happen is not up to the teams to announce what is going on. That is up to London police and the lawyers of the players who have now said, yes, they are facing one count of sexual assault. We will fight these charges. They are innocent and will do so in the court of law, which is where it will play out. But it's not done yet. Gary Bettman has a decision to make. What does he do? What would you do if you're Gary Bettman? Do you let him play? Innocent until proven guilty, right? Carter Hart can come back to the Philadelphia Flyers and represent the Flyers in the National Hockey League on the ice until he's proven guilty. If he's proven guilty. Do you do what the NFL did? The commissioner's exempt list. You can get your million-dollar paychecks but you're not stepping foot on the ice until this is resolved in the court of law because you're doing harm to the brand of the NHL. And Gary Bettman has that power like Roger Goodell had that power. To go, you're charged with that? Okay, yeah, no. You're not stepping foot on the field, but you will get your paycheck. Innocent until proven guilty. We're not going to keep the paychecks from you. You're getting paid leave. Now, this is the most unlikely scenario. Is he, you're suspended. And I don't think there's a legal case that the NHL can actually do that. Except in the case of Dylan Dubé, if he actually outright lied to his employer on the reason for his leave and made them look as bad as they have been over the last week 
and especially the last 24 hours. What would you do, Saskatchewan? one 332 8255 Also on the Green Zone today, uh, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up this weekend. Is Gary Bettman's NHL All-Star Weekend probably has a little bit of a cloud over top of it as he heads in to do his State of the League address. We now know the 12 players uh, who are going to participate in the head-to-head skills competition. Uh, Drew and I will pick our winner as well uh, here on the Green Zone. Uh, more to come on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Jamie Knight with you here in the Green Zone on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Now, talking about the players uh, charged uh, with sexual assault from the 2018 team, Dylan Dubé, under the uh, microscope after the statement released by the Flames. But, John, uh, you're taking the Flames' side of the story on this one. Yeah, man. If you read the original statement, they also mentioned that he was under the care of medical professionals, which is a very weird detail to add if you're trying to hide it. Also, the player statements after that original statement came seem to suggest they thought it had something to do with just about his mental health. They talked about social media and so on. So I think he wasn't really forthcoming with his teammates if they were unaware of what was going on. The team was likely unaware of what was going on. But it's also possible that maybe he tried to take his life or something, was committed, and that's all the team had to really go on. So, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I really don't see how the Flames knew it in this case. I don't think they're that... I'd I'd really hope not. I like that's what that's what I hope the reality is that he misrepresented what it was. And you know, with, with Oliver Gillington, this could have been the conversation, right? Just speculation, but it could have been the conversation. I I I need what what is it, Dylan? Are you all right? No, something something's going on. Is just not. Do you need help? No, I got it. You got the right people. Do you need any recommendations on anything? Because they dealt with Oliver Shillington and one of his teammates. They knew the questions to ask. Okay, you're taken care of? Okay, boom. They put it in the release. That is a conversation I could actually, yeah, believe on what happened. But that's still not coming clean to your employer about something way more significant that is about to drop. And I imagine, remember, they were the first ones out. The Calgary Flames, he was the first player. Then the next day, it was Carter Hart. And that's when everybody went, wait a second. Those two players in back-to-back days who were both on the 2018 team, what is going on? And then Alex Formanton later that day in Europe, and it was like, okay, here we go. We don't think this is about mental health when it comes to Dylan Dubé. Jamie Nye with you here in the Green Zone. Welcome to a Wednesday edition. Just uh, saw the update. Uh, Maple Creek is now the hot spot in Canada again, like they were yesterday. 17 degrees um, as the southwest is heating up. I wonder if the ice cream stands are open in Maple Creek. If 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 I was an owner of one, I just would, and I had not, uh, nothing better to do today and yesterday, I would have just cracked it open. Let's go. Double scoop mint chocolate chip. No, oh, producer Scott did not like that choice. There is some news today in the world of golf. A three 
billion dollar investment from Strategic Sports Group that involves Fenway Sports Group uh, and other big name owners in sports in North America. $1.5 billion possibility of another $1.5 billion later while they're still negotiating with the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund as we get going here. Uh, with the uh, Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am this week. Bob Weeks joining us of TSN, golf analyst. Uh, Bob, yesterday Rory McIlroy said, uh, let the live guys come play. Um, Of course, he has walked way back from where he was a year and a half ago. But what influence, what impact does today's news have on the future of the PGA Tour? Well, I think the main thing, and a couple of players that I was been talking to today said you know the biggest thing is this is kind of a win for the pga tour and they haven't had one for quite a while they've been doing a lot of backpedaling uh they've been a lot of standing around and watching people like terrell hatton and, and john rom and, and adrian Morocco and all these people who are on the pga tour recently slide over to live so to have someone come and mackenzie hughes said to me i says you know it's really nice when you have someone who wants to invest three billion dollars in your company and that's essentially what is going on here and these are pretty savvy businessmen, as you pointed out. It's, it's the Fenway Sports Group, plus it's the owners of about another seven or eight different sports franchises. So they're not going to put up this kind of money without figuring out that they can probably get some kind of a return on their dollar. So um, I think the business side of this is going to be interesting to, to figure out. The players right now are going to get some equity, uh, depending on how long you've been on the tour, depending on how successful You've been on the tour. Will depend and depend uh, that'll determine. Excuse me, how much equity you get. Um, other than that, there's not a lot we know about how this deal is going to is going to go forward. But it's a it's a win for the PGA Tour. That's that's a positive sign. How close are we, if ever, to having Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson and John Rom play the Pebble Beach Pro Am, the Waste Management Classic? outside of the current ma- uh, majors they're qualified to play in? I think we're still a ways. Uh, I think that there is still enough um, hard feelings, baggage, business reasons to keep Live Golf and the PGA Tour as separate entities. So I think at this point, the only time you're going to see those aforementioned Live players and PGA Tour players you know, go head-to-head is going to be at the major championships. That could change, but I, I, and I think players now are less worried about it, but I don't think you're going to be able to see people going back and forth. So the guy can't play a live tournament and then go play at Pebble Beach. It's got to be a, um, a joining of, of the forces. In other words, let's, let's have an amalgamation. Let's join the tours. Let's merge. And I don't see that anytime soon right now, just because of almost in, in because of the way the businesses are structured. I mean, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, which is funding Live, doesn't really want to have a, a merger unless they control it. And I don't think the PGA Tour is going to allow that to happen on the other side as well. So there's still going to be some standoff here, but it'll be, let's say, just a little friendlier. Paul Weeks joining us, golf analyst of uh, TSN PGA, uh, lands a $3 billion deal with Strategic Sports Group. And, and also the PGA Tour is controlling this now for-profit company, correct? That's correct. They they have the final say, but I think there's going to be some loud voices in that boardroom from the other side as well. When you look at bringing in more investment, what will this mean to the players that have stayed on the PGA Tour? You mentioned Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, etc. 
Well, I think I think what they want to see is, you know, a little bit of a wider spread of the money. So, you know, it's great if you're Rory McIlroy. You don't need another two or three billion or million, I should say, if you're going to get. But but if you are Mackenzie Hughes or if you are a guy, you know, a hundred and tenth on the on the FedEx Cup point list, you're not seeing that kind of a mon- that kind of money that some of these top guys are getting. So there's a sense of of uh, of equity where you should be rewarded for a just being on the PGA Tour, which there is now. Players are all getting five hundred thousand dollars to start, and then you you draw off that, as it were. Um, but I I think right now it's it's a little bit of a wider spread, and, and so look, we're all actors in this show, is what the hundred and tenth guy is saying. You know, let's. I don't expect to get the same money as Rory, but I do expect to get some money and some benefits from being on this tour. How surprised are you of how far Rory has walked back where he was against Greg Norman 18 months ago to the point where he's like, yeah, we we should allow the live players to play uh, with amnesty and, and no retribution. You know, Rory's come a long way. And I think in, the biggest thing that Rory has done really is just kind of wash his hands of being, hey, he sort of said, I, I don't want to be the front guy anymore. I don't want to be the guy, you know, who's talks at every press conference about this. I, I want to concentrate on my golf game. And so what I think he is saying is let's, let's, we're not going to get rid of the public investment fund. They're not going anywhere. So we're better to work with them than against them. And if that means that we have to figure out a way for, um, for everybody to, to play out the same tour on the same tournaments, maybe build it something like a Formula One scenario where you're playing one or two tournaments around the world in different spots. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what he's saying. But I really get the impression that Rory's just sort of fed up and said, I don't want to be negotiating or dealing on that. You tell me where I'm going to play. You tell me where the check's coming. I want to, I want to focus on my golf. And I know Rory a little bit, and I think, I think he felt a little bit left out of, of what was going on about all this. I think he felt a little bit... Um, I don't know. Maybe when, when the when the negotiation between PIF and the PGA Tour was announced last Canadian Open, that was maybe the final straw for him. So I just I just think he's he's sort of settled that what this is what's going to happen. I'm okay with it. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and play some golf. Well, it's hard. Some of his closest friends are you know, like jumping now too, like uh, Terrell Hatton, you know, making the move. And Live Golf, by the way, um, did released the rosters and remember live golf has teams um for all those listening they have teams of four uh from the high flyers and the fireballs to the legion 13 which is the 13th franchise being led by john rom but bob how impressive has live uh, built up their roster of golfers yeah i mean listen they've added john rom they've added tyrell hatton those are top 25 golfers in the world obviously john rom's the reigning masters champion the big problem is, like, who's going to watch? I, I don't know people, a lot of people anyway, who watch live golf on a regular basis. Now, I did have occasion uh, last month to play some golf with some folks from Australia, and they're, they're big lo- live golf fans because they don't have the PGA Tour coming to, to tournaments there. But there's still a lack of a television contract. There's still, I think, a lot of people who haven't bought into the team format um, there's still a lot of things when you do watch it that are confusing with the scoreboard and the, and the shotgun start. Um, now maybe that'll just take time to sink in, but at, at this point, you know, there's no other sponsors that have really come on board of any significance and there's no real major, at least North American 
TV contract where people can watch this. So they're they're still struggling, even though they have all these players. Now maybe maybe this will be the year that they finally turn things around. But uh, the first two years have been, I would have to calculate them as a, as a disappointment. Uh, that was my next question for you: is uh, is this is it ever going to gain traction? It is new. You have to gain some traction. But do you see Live ever gaining a major television deal or a streaming deal uh, with streaming content? I'm surprised we haven't seen a major streaming deal. Uh, come in for live golf. They're on the CW on cable and YouTube and other stuff. But do you do you ever see this live golf gaining traction in North America? Uh, you know, right now, I, I just don't think that there's enough appetite for a streaming company to to put forward any kind of money to do it. Um, that could change. Maybe it'll catch on with John Rom this year. But so far, really, you know, it's it's not super deep on talented. Talent is super deep on names. There are big names in there, but a lot of them and most of them, let's face it, are sort of past their prime, the Hendrick Stensons and the Ian Poulters and players like that. Um, it's not to say that the PGA Tour doesn't have weak events, too. A couple of weeks ago, you know, they had uh, less, less than a star-studded tournament at the American Express uh, in, in the desert in California. So I just think that there is so much uh, history behind the PGA Tour, so much almost reflex action where you know what's going on in the PGA Tour. If you're a golf fan, you know what tournaments are coming up. You know where you're going to watch it. It's either going to be on one channel or the other, and, and it's it's not hard to find. It's easy to find. And, yeah, maybe you don't recognize who Steven Yeager is or Nick Dunlap, the guys who've, who've been playing well lately, but but – you know those things will come, and, and you'll get into the into the bigger events like we've got this week at Pebble Beach with uh, 18 of the top 20 players in the world. So, I think Liv still has an uphill battle to kind of uh, get get into the, the the reflex mind of the golf fan in certainly in Canada and, and I think in North America. And Bob Weeks of TSN here on the Green Zone at Golf Annals also does uh, some of the curling stuff at TSN. Any chance they're sending you to Regina for the Briar, uh, Bob? We'd love to have you. <laughs> Actually, I'm actually, I'd love to be there, believe me. I will tell you, I'm going to make an appearance in your beautiful province, though it's uh, Curling Day in Canada show is going to be coming to you live from beautiful downtown Melfort. Uh, and I am an, uh, uh, a big city boy, so I'm looking forward to kind of spending a little time there. And um, we'll, we'll be there uh, a couple weeks, actually, the week of the Sky, finals of the Scott Tournament of Hearts, Scotty Tournament of Hearts. Uh, so that's the closest I'm going to get to the Briar this year. Uh, all righty. Uh, of course, uh, Bob, uh, the last time I got to hang out with Bob was uh, the Canadian Women's Open when Brooke Henderson won, which was a heck of a good time in Regina. But gl- glad you'll at least uh, grace the Saskatchewan with your presence uh, this winter during the curling season, Bob. <laughs> Always a pleasure, and hopefully we can uh, we can reconnect someday, somewhere uh, sometime very soon. That is Bob Weeks of TSN here on the Green Zone. Is Yeah, some money coming into the PGA Tour, some much-needed money. As Bob says, a good win for the PGA Tour. As they get said, it is the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend. Have you ever played Pebble? I know a few people have played it. Lucky. You're lucky. I wonder if Drew's ever played Pebble Beach. He might have way back. In, when he golfed, of course, he doesn't golf anymore. He should, uh, but he doesn't. Coming up next, this day in sports history, also still to come on the Green Zone. We want you to share some stories. I was listening to the Evan Bray show yesterday. And they were talking about a certain subject, and it was risky play for kids. Because I don't know if you heard this. I, th- I chumped it a few weeks ago, 
the city of Toronto banned tobogganing on a few hills. And they're like, they're not massive hills. They're bigger hills in the Capel Valley that we went tobogganing on. And Evan Bray had someone on yesterday that risky play is actually important for the development of kids. Which had me thinking of some of the dumbest stuff we did as children. I would call it risky play, to use a term that Evan Bray was talking about yesterday on the uh, Evan Bray Show. What are your risky play stories, ladies and gentlemen, that maybe you didn't even get significantly hurt? Um, of course, being raised in, in Lumsden, the Capel Valley, there are a few incidences of maybe a little recklessness going down hills on certain sleds, bikes, and otherwise. Uh, what's your story? I'm sure Drew and his brothers never had any risky play growing up in Saskatoon. This is 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Hepbridge Farm remembers... Chicago with the lead. It is Joe Sackett. Scores. Gio Sackett. Scores. It's better Thomas me. I'll be back in time. On this day in sports history, the day was January the 31st. The year? 1993. Super Bowl 27 in Pasadena, California. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 52 to 17 in that Super Bowl. And you're probably like, hmm, what happened in that game? It's fifth, it was a blowout. One of the most famous plays in Super Bowl history happened in that football game. Reich on fourth down to throw. Pressure sacked oh, by Jeff Curry. And fumble. And Leon Lett <laughs> pushes oh, it to oh, the 40. Oh, look out, here he goes. Here oh, comes Leon. To the 20. Go, Leon. Oh, Leon Lett. It's a fumble. It's a fumble. He had it knocked out of his hand. He was oh, hurt no. and held it out at the two-yard line. And from behind, the Bills came and knocked it out of his hand. Oh. Yes, Leon Lett. So close to having a touchdown, but Don Beebe, what effort. It was a blowout anyways. But something else very memorable happened during that Super Bowl. One of my favorite Super Bowl commercials. What's in the bag? Lunch. Big Mac, fries. Play you for it. You and me for my Big Mac? First one to miss watches the winner eat. No donkey. <laughs> Off the floor. Off the scoreboard, off the bank board, no rim. Over the second rafter, off the floor, nothing but net. Yeah, Jordan and Bird McDonald's, the showdown commercial on this day in sports in 93. And also on this day in 1999. Elway, I've just been informed, is officially... This game's most valuable player. Yeah, John Elway in his last game wins the Super Bowl as the Broncos uh, win yet again in Elway's last game.